HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Whole Foods Market. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. All right, once again, it is Thursday, 1 o'clock, and you have tuned into the Heritage Radio Network. We are coming to you live from the back of Roberta's in the beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn. You're listening to The Farm Report, and I am your host, Aaron Fairbanks. Today we are on the line with Jay Ravel of Regional Access. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me on today. Well, it's great to have you on, and if I understand correctly, are you, what, pulled over on the side of the road calling in, or...? I am parked right, um, right outside the um, Hot Stand Food Co-op, um, about as far away from New York City as you can get, still be in the state, um, up here near the Canadian border. Awesome. Uh, one of our uh, one of our longtime um, customers here, a, 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 an old throwback kind of uh, retail co-op. Uh, it's a lovely place, and uh, yeah, little little pitch for them, but that's. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, yep, that's where I'm located. A little bit of a radio picture painting. Thanks for that. So we are talking with you today about distribution. Um, so why don't you kick us off by telling us a little bit about uh, what regional access is and what you guys do. Okay, regional access started uh, 22 or 23 years ago as uh, the efforts of one man named Gary Redmond who had a... Uh, kind of a, a vision of um, providing transportation means for uh, local New York farms to reach markets. Um, it was, a, at the time, a, a, a very novel concept, and, uh, and, and it was very much a bootstrap operation out of his garage. And it, it uh, grew uh, very, it, it grew in, in uh, I'd say, in, Scope probably very slowly for about 15 years, and then started. And then, as the rest of the world kind of caught up to what he was already thinking, it has exploded over the last five to seven years. Uh, we've had to move into like a much larger facility than uh, than we were when I started five years ago. And we have uh, there are just several facets to the way we operate. We are a traditional wholesaler, but we do quite a bit more than that too. Oh, great. So we're going to tuck into some of those different things uh, throughout our time together today. But 
What about yourself? So you've been with the company for five years. Um, how, how did you end up working for Regional Access, and what is your position? I uh, started, yeah, in 2007 as, as a driver. Um, I had been I had come off of working for uh, a different organic produce distributor that was bringing me up through Ithaca, and for uh, a couple of very important reasons, I decided that I wanted to live in Ithaca, and uh, and then I found Regional Access, and, and they were looking for a driver, so I I was a very easy hire. Um, about a year into that, uh, my first my daughter was born, and they brought me into the office to work in dispatch, and that's what I've been doing ever since. So, but, um, as obviously, I am called upon to drive every now and then too. Yeah, you're like a jack of all trades. I think. Um, so I think regional access is what you guys are somewhere around thirty four employees. Is that right? That sounds right. And so, give me give me a little sense of uh, of how how it works today. I mean, if I'm a farmer and I want you know and I want to sell my my like side of beef, do I call you up? Or if I'm a, on the opposite end of that and I'm a you know a co-op or a grocery store in New York, I mean, how are people kind of engaging with you guys on either end of the distribution chain? I think on either end, yeah, that's exactly it. We we get inquiries from uh, all facets of the of the business. Um, we get direct inquiries from farms who want to sell their products through us in, in a traditional wholesale manner. And then there are items where uh, we've learned just from experience that we can provide a better service by being uh, by just providing transportation and logistical coordination of of um, of often difficult um, you know point A to point B arrangements aren't always as, as simple as they seem. And we've kind of just made a uh, made a name for ourselves by providing a certain amount of expertise on how to get that done. Um, sometimes without the and, and, and it, it often does benefit all parties for it not to be a traditional wholesale arrangement. And that's where we've kind of created a new niche for ourselves. It's the, the fastest growing component of our business is just being a uh, part of a logistical chain. Um, that gets direct sales from farms and um, and growers to consumers. Yeah, I know um, that I worked with you first through the No Goat Left Behind project last October yep. when you helped us transport the goats um, from our slaughterhouse, Eagle Bridge Custom Meats, down into yep. New York City. So that was kind of how we got introduced. But I, I know just from kind of a b- brief overview of your website, you know, you guys are moving upwards of eight to 10,000 pounds of meat a week, 10,000 plus gallons of milk. I mean, sounds like there's a lot of stuff uh, passing through the regional access uh, hands, so to speak. Um, do you cover just the New York State area or do you go uh, in other states as well? We have virtual blanket coverage of New York State. We have a few select markets that we've expanded into. Um, New England being one of them, we we have a, um, a, a pretty specific um, route that goes out to Boston. Uh, we offer service in, kind of on the Mass Pike corridor and then in, in Metro Boston. I wouldn't say it's a huge... Actually, um, it's not so huge for food, but there's been a great deal of Finger Lakes wine being transported out to um, Massachusetts distributors through us and um, and a few other facets of the business. And we also go into well, northern uh, New Jersey and Philadelphia as well. 
some of our key uh, vendors are down in Philadelphia, so we've we've tried to make that run a little bit more profitable by moving mostly freight in, in that case, too. Okay. So, I mean, that it is kind of one of the things you hear about in, you know, growing regional food economies a lot is, oh, it's a distribution issue. It's a distribution issue. Like, there's not enough distribution to get, you know, products from upstate down into the city or vice versa. I mean, being in the distribution business, would you agree with that? Or, I mean, do you think there's kind of room for 10 more regional accesses in the state? Or, or are people kind of touching on a bigger more systemic thing when they say like, Oh, it's a distribution problem. I think, I think people are definitely catching on. There are some, uh, there are some people imitating us and, uh, fulfilling, you know, some need. And we are also expanding rapidly. So I I guess I think the supply definitely, uh, is there and uh, there's probably more stuff to be moved than there are people to move it at this point. Um, it's just a matter of really being able to, part of what has made us successful is that because we were always somewhat of a do-it-yourself operation, even the people working within regional access have had some great deal of autonomy to work out certain aspects of the business, like, uh, like produce sales was a very, uh, kind of a spontaneous idea that we got into out of just being asked to do one thing for one farmer to one customer. And that grew into, you know, our uh, network that now we can reach anyone in our in our distribution network um, and get them produce from all of our farmers. Um, and the, the meat shipping was another great example. We get asked by one person to move one cow to one restaurant in the city, and that grows into, uh, you know, a couple dozen a week. So that's um, and and this is this always somewhat. The uh, the case where you know a problem arises and we're just called upon to find a solution for it, and each person who works at regional access kind of takes takes ownership of that and and, and just finds a way to get things done, and then that just becomes another facet of the business. I think that's a real key to our success is that we haven't had um, top down management throughout our most of our history, and uh, I think that's. The, the flexibility to go along with that is a real um, is definitely a real strength of our uh, of our general manager, and, and I think we owe a lot to him for for being able to create these new uh, ways of serving people. Yeah, I mean it's great to have that flexibility. Also, I think makes for a really great work environment. So you, we've touched on a couple of different areas, and I just want to make sure you guys are working with. Um, with with meat, beef, lamb, chicken, rabbit, you know, um, you, you transport milk, you transport wine and liquor, you transport produce. Is there anything else? Um, yeah. Uh, increasingly, we have well, we have begun doing distribution for Cayuga Pure Organics, and I think a lot of listeners down in the city might be very familiar with that name from uh, from green markets and just from the fact that they were doing their own distribution. They had a you know, several dozen, um, you know, customers in the city, restaurants and retailers uh, who have been turned on to their uh, really quite exceptional products, all coming from New York State, um, beans and grains and, uh, and uh, you know, popcorn. I mean, they've really expanded into a lot of different areas. Yeah, I and, know. I'm a big oh, fan. 
Yeah, and Farmer Ground Flour is another great example. This is a uh, very much a bootstrap operation that took over the old regional access building and turned it into a mill, and they are milling grain from that is grown within 10 or 15 miles of, of the mill, and that has become a very popular item in the city, too. So um, I think what we specialize in is the raw ingredients for wholesome food. We don't sell very many, um, oh, the word's escaping me. Like <laughs> we dry don't sell goods. a whole lot of, uh, you know, processed food. Okay. We kind of leave that to the, you know, the Uniteds of the world. Sure. And we, we just really get people the, you know, the, the best locally sourced um, whole foods for their own production at that point. We, a lot of our customers are bakers and, uh, and people who, you know, take our product and, and make really great artisan, you know, foods of their own. So that's, yeah, they, that's, an, that's become a very, uh, you know, viable part of our business as well. Okay. So you have kind of all these different, uh, you know, you have this collection of different fresh, and it sounds like pretty much across the board, maybe save the dry beans, pretty perishable items. So I'm assuming there's a big refrigeration or, and or freezer component to your business, and maybe you can talk a little bit about you know, moving things with the kind of cold chain considerations in mind and what kind of um, challenges that brings up? Um, it, well, we have to run refrigerated trailers, and they're inherently more complicated. Um, they uh, are more prone to malfunctioning, so we have to have a... Uh, we have to keep really close tabs on our fleet, and, and we do. We have an excellent maintenance person on site. Um, that's really the challenge. I mean, I think it's, other than that, it's really uh, no different getting stuff from A to B, but um, there are um, the uh, HACCP or HACCP. I don't know. HACCP, yeah. Yeah. Um, They have, you know, we are required to keep that, keep record of that cold chain, and we've uh, we've complied with that. We've worked out a good system for doing that, um, both in the warehouse and then once everything is loaded on the truck, I have very I have a sheet here with a driver's temperature log, and I'm recording it throughout the day. So, yeah, that's um, that is very important because other yeah, without that, most of what we do wouldn't work. Sure. And do you know? I mean, what? Who? Why? I'm just not familiar. Like, what type of regulation or who? Who kind of inspects or looks at the you know the driver logs or makes sure that essentially you guys are transporting products safely is that regulated by the state or the usda or i don't i can't speak with authority on that i'm pretty sure it's the usda but i would not be the i would don't have first hand knowledge of that yeah no i'm just i'm curious so you have um the fleet of trucks and then you said you have the sent the warehouse so um is most of most of the stuff you're doing you pick up and it comes back to the warehouse in the Ithaca region and then goes out from there, or you pick up and you go straight on your way? You know, you would pick up from let's say Eagle Bridge and go straight on your way to a delivery, or does everything get roaded back and then pushed out from the central location? Yeah, almost everything comes back to the Ithaca hub um, just by means of logistically. There are a couple accounts that uh, there's one out of Eagle Bridge that goes straight to Boston and um, 
with with some meat for a market out there. So when that it, it's it's to uh, it's to everyone's advantage to be able to do that, and so we offer a special price for our freight customers when that can work. Um, and uh, yeah, we just kind of use our uh, use our creative uh, <laughs> um, abilities sometimes to to weave things like that together. For the most part, though, we're still a hub operation, and uh, we will soon have a second hub in Brooklyn. That Woo! will be. Uh, there will be a lot of. There, our New York operation will soon change. From uh, we will have relay trucks going from Ithaca to New York, and then uh, people down there breaking everything down and putting it on small trucks. So that's one uh, innovation that will we will see coming this year. And it's going to really change the way that we uh, can serve the city. Yeah, I'll bet. I mean, I'm sure it opens up a lot of different possibilities. I know kind of personally, we've, we've chatted a little bit about uh, expanding the No Go Left Behind project. And I think that expansion in the city will will serve us well. Um, now, was that like the, the driving decision to do that? Was Is it because uh, there's been a growing demand in the city? Or in the region? I mean, how? What was the push to kind of make that jump into a second facility? Well, we were we were definitely exploring it before the arrangement with uh, Cayuga Pure Organics came along. When uh, when that happened, and we started to find an additional, you know, twelve to fifteen, uh, you know, the city deliveries um, per week are actually uh, twice twice per week. Um, that it it went from being just something that we thought about to something that we have to do, um, and so we happened to have been connected to probably the perfect situation down there, and uh, I think um, it the, the timing of it was very uh, fortuitous, and uh, now there's just the coordination of making it happen. But it's it is now a necessity, and it's because of the new business. It's um, it when we started doing this distribution for them, we acquired quite a few new customers that we didn't have before. Excellent. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to tuck into a little bit more about distribution in New York State with my guest, Jay Ravel of Regional Access. Market is a proud sponsor of Transforming Cities in partnership with BioCities and the Harvard University Graduate School of Design on May 2nd. Buy tickets and learn from multiple stakeholders on how food systems shape cities. Visit biocities.org for more information. Listening to Ballin in Bali from Brooklyn's own Rectech. All right, we are back from what feels slightly like a, a journey to the middle of the ocean. Thanks for that, Rectech. You're listening to the Farm Report on the Heritage Radio Network. 
I am your host, Aaron Fairbanks, and we are on the line with Jay Ravel of Regional Access talking about distribution in New York City. So, Jay, you, you know, I want to tuck into the topic that's I feel like always on everyone's mind is, is money. How you making money? Um, and you guys do have a kind of couple different facets to your business. You mentioned, you know, you do this kind of delivery service. You have this wholesale service. So I'm curious when... Um, when it comes to, to figuring out what's most profitable for your business or what's the right price for your services, kind of how, what are some of the things that go into to those accountings? Maybe if we start with like delivery as opposed to a wholesale operation. I mean, how do you decide what's the right price to move a half a cow from Ithaca, you know, down to New York City or Ithaca over to the west side of the state? Well, the first Part of that, I think, is that we we determine it often by trial and error. Um, we attempted to to wholesale to make it a wholesale arrangement with fresh meat, where uh, regional access would would basically buy the cow and uh, and attempt to sell it. And it it was not very successful because everybody loves steaks, but it's it's not all that easy to sell chefs on on some of the. Some of the organ meats or the the, the, the less uh, the, the not so sexy parts of the cow. Yeah, sure. I'm familiar and, with those parts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I and that so we we kind of took that failure and looked at it and turned it into the the freight business um, because we are now no longer responsible for selling it. So that we're we're kind of leaving that in the hands of the people who do that best. I think. Um, and you know, most of the, most of the uh, customers that we bring to are either restaurants who butcher on site, or the butcher shops themselves, um, like Meat Hook and uh, Marlowe and Daughters. Okay. And that, so they are, uh, you know, they are looking for exactly what the farm is providing, and we are we are the uh, logistical uh, experts in between. And I think that so again, it just really comes down to. Necessity, how, what is the best angle to take on it really is often dictated by the profitability and the sellability of the product. Okay. Um, for, for fresh produce, it's, it's pretty exciting to get out there with a whole new batch of stuff every week and, and, uh, and, and get everybody's stuff out on a list and, and get things sold. So we take different, you know, approach depending on what it is. Um, and I think that's just increasingly necessary in the, you know, in the evolving economy. I actually personally believe that the, the old, kind of the old school wholesale arrangements is something that I can see becoming very outmoded because there isn't enough money in between um, for an organization to basically be buying stuff in order to sell it at a profit to somebody else. The risk that you take and the, and the shrinkage, especially with fresh produce, it's just, I don't think there's enough money in the new economy to really keep that system going. And I can see what we do being a harbinger for how it's going to be done um, by more people in the future, which is not really taking on that risk in the middle and finding a nice, you know, happy medium of, just getting the product from the grower to the consumer. 
Right. So really performing, I mean, it would be wrong of me to say just more of a, a delivery service than... Yes. Delivery service, but also, um, you know, bringing in the, the knowledge of what it takes to, uh, to get that whole process going. I mean, we do, we do make connections for people as well. Okay, um, sure. But we, we sell our freight services in, instead of just passively being given what, what, we are, what we're given by people. And then, um, you know, a, a lot of that business ends up coming in through word of mouth, but it's um, being able to just look at kind of what I call the four-dimensional puzzle of, of you know, our whole our whole delivery nexus with the dimension of time added, how do we get everything moved in the most expedient way? That's where we make our money. We do it by um, by finding the most efficient way to do things. And, I, and I'm always curious when I think about this type of, like, logistical coordination. I mean, in my head, there's, like, a team of guys and a big computer network and some kind of mysterious program, and you, like, type things in, and it spits it out, and, and you're like, okay, this is the most efficient way to go. But when you're dealing with these types, different types of perishable products, when you're dealing with, um, you know, smaller, medium-sized farms, there's all these variables that I think make um, make it more challenging because it's not just, you know, you go pick up the big load and then you break it down into smaller loads and deliver it otherwise. So can you talk a little bit about some of the decisions and, and planning and the like how does the logistic process actually work on the ground like how 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 do you figure out like the most efficient ways I mean I'm not asking for your business secrets I'm just <laughs> yeah, I'm just like we, I, I know it's probably not a bunch of guys in front of a computer but maybe maybe it is I don't know no we don't have one we're we're very we're very rudimentary we have Google Maps and we have first-hand experience that's really all we rely on <laughs> We don't have the uh, the fancy UPS computer. Um, that's that's still at the level that we're doing it. That still is what works best. Is we have people who have been out there, you know, doing these things, and we have, um, and, and we have people who have firsthand knowledge of of um, of coordinating things. Yeah, of the, really of the area. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, sure. So, I mean, that sounds like, you know, you're really leaning heavily kind of on your on your workforce and um, as, as people as kind of your, your biggest resource versus some kind of like magical supercomputer. So, I, no, mystery, <laughs> mystery solved. And, and uh, you know, it keeps a lot of people busy, but it's, it's uh, because of that, it still has a personal touch as well. Yeah, which is it's one of the things I know I appreciate. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, equipment. I know one of the issues that came up when we were working you guys, with you guys for the GOAT project was figuring out what kind of containers we were going to actually put the, the GOATs in to bring them down to the mm. city. And, and so you have this other kind of layer of, of equipment. And, and I think that you guys called them, you know, bins. But, I mean, it, it was essentially just kind of like a big plastic bin that you put the put the goats in and that's a piece of equipment that you guys own i mean i know historically i'm thinking about like milk crates and how milk crates always have the warning on them they're like you know property of so-and-so farm and don't take them and yet somehow everyone has six in their apartment so do you do you have i mean 
are, what are, what are some of the like kind of container needs of an organization like yours and how do you manage you know the pickup and the drop off and the cleaning of, of those pieces that's probably the the, the best example um, is the uh, the combination bins they're uh, technically called and uh, they are, it's kind of a mishmash. Some of them are owned by us. Some of them were um, some of the first farms who got involved with us uh, moving things regularly, invested in those bins themselves. And uh, they they own them, and we are in, you know, we have custody of them. And then we decided at one point when, when it was getting a little dicey on, on um, making, on knowing that we would have enough every week, we, we just basically doubled our fleet of, of bins and and now we don't have that problem um, but yeah that was again just a very you know we we don't have we don't have trailers that have you know hangers we can't deliver hanging swinging meat and I'm really glad we don't um, so that was just you know the uh, mother of invention type of thing uh, where we we was like, how, how are we gonna get it there we got this pig it's it's upstate New York how are we gonna get to the city we looked into it. We found these bins. They are, uh, you know, they're they're approved by uh, the approving agencies, and uh, we do have to keep them clean so they get rotated through. They they get cleaned primarily at the slaughterhouse, um, so that they take firsthand responsibility for making sure it's going out, you know, um, in a sanitary manner. And um, yes, that's it's how it's worked. It's. We again, it's it's very typical of the way we do things. It's, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Sure. Um, some of the other things, you know, we milk crates are a, are a great example. You know, we deliver dairy in crates in a lot of cases, <coughs> and then there is a very large freight customer in the city that doesn't want to deal with crates. They want everything in boxes. So we turn part of our warehouse into a milk boxing operation. Um, we employ a bunch of our warehouse staff to do it. Um, we, you know, yeah, that's a that's a, a fee-based service to the uh, to the to the milk people, <laughs> and um, and that's yeah, that's the way that we've worked with some of the variables in that. Uh, another one would be uh, the buckets of uh, tofu that we that we we both freight in some cases and we sell that from our catalog so uh those are always and you know there's a fairly substantial deposit on those placed by the by the tofu maker and uh we have to rotate those through as well that's about all that comes to mind as far as like special equipment and things that have to be uh rotated through everything else we're sort of um still very traditional a lot of things are just boxed and, and uh, you know, moved around as as you would see in most you know uh, food distribution sure companies. lots of wax boxes um, yeah. and then I want to touch a little bit on uh, you know sustainability concerns and you know as a freight company how that works into some of your decision making and, and one of the things that I feel like comes up a lot in more urban based uh, food conversations is this idea of of backhauling, you know, trucks coming down to deliver in the city, but then needing to, you know, return to their origin um, 
empty and and there's always kind of these interesting suggestions of oh we can take you know new york city's compost out and send it in these trucks back upstate and i think you know people are forgetting that you you probably don't want to haul compost in the same truck you're hauling you know your your chickens and and produce and whatnot but maybe you could touch on yeah touch on some of those kind of sustainability and, and and how you guys you know work work that um, decision, you know, that factor into your decision-making? Well, as far as, uh, you know, we, uh, when I started, we used to go down to the city once a week, and we went down virtually empty, and we came back full of stuff, because we have a lot of vendors in in the metro area. Um, And we've evolved to the point where we're sending, you know, four or five trucks a week down there, jam-packed full, and we a couple of them come back full, but then a couple of them do have that issue of what do we put them to use to bring back. Um, I think so far the pro- the uh, the answer to that has been we keep the drivers so busy doing deliveries they don't have time to do pickups um, within the hours of service regulations. I mean, you know, we have to we have to get these guys off the road within 14 hours of the time that they leave. So you're looking at four and a half hours down. Then they put in the work in the city, then they overnight, and then the next day they gotta, they're got they still doing deliveries, and then they have to you know, plan on having four and a half hours to drive back. So we're really limited that way because we're still only a single hub operation, um, and uh, frankly, we don't have enough time to, to fill up the truck as far as you know, doing backhauls. That will change very much with the, uh, when we have the dual hub system. But and so that's something that we'll probably want to be tackling um, as as we evolve into that. Um, so so far we haven't had the opportunity to really delve into that too much. Sure. Well, I, it seems like with your history of you know DIY and having been around for twenty two plus years, I'm excited to see kind of how you'll grow over the next twenty two years, and and also mm-hmm. of course excited to work with you guys this fall. And hopefully a little bit in between. Jay, thank you so much for taking a little pit stop to call in from the road. I really appreciate it. And if All right, Aaron. I, I really appreciate the, the chance to talk with you and, and uh, get out some of the, the message about what we do. It's, uh, it's, it's just it's a fantastic organization. It's, you know, like I said, very, very personable. You call and still talk to real people. Um, and, yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm really just honored to be a part of it. Awesome. And you guys uh, out there listening, if you want to learn a little bit more about Regional Access, you can find them at www.regionalaccess.net. Tune in next Thursday on the Farm Report when we talk with Root Down Farm. We'll have Aaron and Steve on learning a little bit about Western New York. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Aaron Fairbanks, and you've been listening to the Farm Report. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.